Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Islam for Christians, episode 88, Hadith, The Final Brick. This Hadith is from the Sahih Muslim Collection, number 2286. Abu Huraira reported Allah's Messenger as saying, The similitude of mine and that of the apostles before me is that of a person who built a house quite imposing and beautiful, and he made it complete, except for one brick in one of its corners. Now people began to walk around it, and the building pleased them, and they would say, but for this brick, your building would have been perfect. And then Muhammad said, I am that final brick. Before we get to the content of this hadith, I just want to warn you, you may find this commentary a tad bit annoying, possibly. And I understand it. Uh, in, in the wider world, uh, not for all people, but for most. So for most people, it's generally considered to be a very annoying thing for the most part when non-believers tell believers what they should be doing. You know, coming at a person of faith without sharing that same faith and then making a faith-based argument based on something you don't believe in the first place. And yes, I understand why some people may find that to be obnoxious occasionally. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. When some clearly atheist commentator and this clear, obvious atheist will chide traditional Christians for believing that a traditional interpretation of the Bible and of church teaching is, well, due to some new thing they found and due to some perceived cultural enlightenment, all of that is now null and void. It says, hey, you know, everyone, we have this new fad, and here's some religious cover for why it's okay. And wouldn't you believe it? This actually fits right into your current lifestyle and the culture, and it will offend no one, and it's exactly what you want to hear. Of course, that's surely a sign that the Holy Spirit is behind it. That is very annoying. It really grinds my gears, and I'm old enough to have seen this cycle repeat constantly. If everyone listened to those people, really, by now the church would be long, long dead, just a pile of radioactive waste consisting of decayed cultural trends. Okay, so if you're building a quick theory of annoyance, <laughs> that would be, I would put that at both grades one and two. Grade one being when an atheist does that, and grade two when someone who is pretending to be a Christian does that. And much further below that would be grade three, uh, which would be members of one religion telling another religion what they should believe. Now, this particular one bothers a ton of people, uh, but I should say it never bothered me. Actually, I find it interesting to see a wider and different perspective. But this does annoy some people, and I get it. Someone in Israel probably really hates being told what his religion means by some Italian Catholic. Even if I think he's right, I get it. You know, it does feel weird for a Muslim telling me about the real Jesus. Now, that thing would be grade three obnoxious proselytizing. <laughs> 
And because grade three obnoxious proselytizing doesn't really bother me that much, I'm going to do some of it here. And here's my grade three obnoxious statement. Muslims should be reading and even revering the Bible. And don't worry, I, I have reasons. You know, um, I do believe that a Muslim could greatly benefit from reading the Bible, particularly because the Quran is basically referencing the Bible so much. And so the Quranic stories are somewhat incomplete, almost intentionally so. Um, the Quran often doesn't tell the whole story because they figure you know it. Um, you know, especially the Old Testament, I think. And, you know, it's not going to contradict anything in the Quran. I mean, anything serious, at least. You know, Muslims may not like the whole shellfish thing, but it's not a reason to chuck the entire book entirely. Uh, the New Testament, too. I think the Quran works far better with the spirit of the gospel as a preface for what is being said in the Quran. Um, that's actually how I've read the Quran, and I think the Quran is richer for it, in my experience. Um, really, the Bible could be incorporated into Muslim scriptures as a different kind of holy text. We did that with the Bible. You know, the Old Testament is read in light of the New Testament as a salvation history leading up to Jesus. And Muslims could easily do that as well. And I think the faith would be richer for it. Now, I know that Islam confirms previous things that were from God. I mean, it has to, because Muhammad right here says, hey, I am the last brick in the wall. But the tradition that has developed over the last 1,400 years often doesn't act like that's the case. Um, omitting what came before and what is still available is a lot like a Christian omitting the Bible and choosing to read only the Catholic catechism or the Protestant confessional text. So quick explanation. I'm not going to assume everyone knows this. The catechism is basically the summary of what the Catholic Church believes based on uh, Holy Scripture and Holy Tradition. Now, Protestants also have something similar, and it's called a confessional book, like the Lutheran Book of Concord or the Presbyterian Westminster Confession of Faith. These books are confessions, so to speak. It's a sincere laying out of the church's beliefs. But no one of those confessional faiths who believe in those confessional do documents, they don't toss out the Bible. Because why not also read the source of what created those beliefs? And the same thing could go with the Quran if you wanted to start a new Muslim tradition. Now, Muslims will say, these are God's words in the most perfect form. Well, yes, in your faith that, in your faith, that is true. But that also came from somewhere, the stories at least, um, the background of it. Muhammad didn't just make up all these stories, all these things. He's even saying it in this hadith. He's the last brick. All this stuff existed before. He was not the first person to say these things. And those sources can provide extra depth. Like the allegory laced into these stories that are sometimes told in the Quran, but are much, much more often just referenced. They're not told. There is a bunch of assumed knowledge there.
and the Bible would help to fill in the blanks. Because the current world is not like Medina in the 620s. There aren't a whole lot of people around that know all these stories. In particular, I'm referring to the Jewish community in Medina that would have known all these things and probably had told the Muslims and then the Arabs all of these things. And these are things the Quran is referencing. And if the Quran references something, it's important, right? I mean, from an Islamic perspective, it's important, right? Um, if the Quran is always mentioning the ministry of Jesus, but really hardly ever talks about Jesus's ministry and his teachings, there's very little of that there. Muhammad does not exist without Moses and Jesus, right? And in Christianity, Jesus doesn't exist without Abraham and Moses and all those guys. You know, so what I'm saying is there's no need to fixate on who you think the final brick is. Um, this is not just an Islamic thing. Christians almost fell into this exact same trap. Back in the second century, there was this guy named Marcion. Now, this was a time of great heresies, uh, the middle of the second century, and his was a very, very big one. Marcion wanted to remove the Old Testament from Christianity, and even some of the New Testament that he didn't like. Now, this was probably a guy who drank a bit too much of the Gnostic Kool-Aid back in the day, and he came up with a dual universe where the Christian God was actually an entirely different God than the previous one. You want actual polytheism, there it is. Marcion actually had enough of a following that he had to be excommunicated to make sure people did not confuse this with actual Christianity. Tertullian was a particularly strong anti-Marcion force, and without him, the current Bible might be very, very short. And had this heresy actually taken root, Muslims would be completely correct to call us polytheists. But that didn't happen, because the early church was wise enough to understand that this was a continuation of revelation, not something that we're going to build from scratch. And Muhammad is saying the exact same thing here. He's stressing his continuity with the past and not his separation from it. So, you know, this is just some friendly advice from a well-wisher. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I'm not an anti-Muslim guy. I, I actually think the Quran is a pretty fantastic book. But my recommendation is read the Bible like I've read the Quran. And you'll like the Old Testament, even the New Testament. I, I guarantee you will love the Epistle of James. Just read that one first. Um <laughs> That particular one gave Martin Luther fits, but I, I do think Muslims will really, really like it. Now, I could regret this. You know, I'm sure it would be level three annoying to have Muslims reading the gospel and telling Christians what it really means, but I'm fine with that. I'm ready for that, and I'm willing to endure it. It is only a grade three annoyance, after all, and it would probably leave our Muslim brothers and sisters much, much richer for the experience in my opinion. Again, just a friendly suggestion. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Inshallah.
Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.